Hello, I'm Ossie. Thank you for joining us on a journey down memory lane, revisiting an archival recording of a church meeting from 46 years ago. My father would certainly not have categorized this recording as of a teaching or a preaching. To him, these were family times, moments for sharing hearts openly and vulnerably, allowing God's love to steer the conversation. It is fortunate for us that some of these intimate moments were captured and recorded. The year 1978 was significant for the church. Just one month after this meeting, Brother Howard and Sister Rhonda Wheeler moved from Atlanta, Georgia to join the fellowship in Paramus, New Jersey. In that same month, the community explored its first potential land in Massachusetts. However, they were divinely cautioned to prioritize their relationships before proceeding toward an agrarian life. As a congregation, they were just beginning to understand the essence of being a covenant people, taking their first cautious steps toward a deeper realization of community life and what it meant to be part of the restored body of Christ. This message does not offer an argumentative thesis to elaborate or defend the church's nascent understanding of the covenant of the body of Christ. Instead, it presents a raw, even elementary outline of their initial insights and longings, which, over time, matured into fuller understandings. Listening now, one can be moved to tears, as I was, by the realization that, although their knowledge grew, the core their heart remained unchanged. The trust they shared stayed strong, and the dream they harbored was realized. I pray this recording, capturing a relaxed family time following my parents' return from an extensive trip across the U.S., will bless you as it has blessed me when I stumbled on it two nights ago. May it serve as a reminder to keep our compass aligned centered on Jesus, his love, his power, and the trust that unites our hearts into that beautiful design that we call the body of Christ. Here's Brother Blair from July 1978. King James Version of John 1 and 12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. I'm glad that he didn't just give us theology and philosophy, but he gave us power. Brother Joel was telling me today, he heard a tape where he said it went along. He said it was a pretty good little tape. Then the, the man started getting into defining uh, heresies. And uh, he talked about this was a heresy and that was a heresy and this was a heresy and that was a heresy. and. Speaking in tongues, to insist that speaking in tongues is necessary is a heresy. And to insist on baptism uh, in a certain way is a heresy. And I said, you know, we're just, we're such heretics. I said, we're just, we're such heretics. To one group over here, we're, we're too charismatic. And we're heretics because we're too charismatic. Then to another group over here, we're, we're too oneness in Jesus' name and 
And uh, we're heretics because we're that. And I said, we are the biggest heretics going. So we need to find something that can narrow us down just a little bit more. <laughs> but it really hit me. I, and I, I, I looked up at Joel and I said, you know, that's really weird, man. Because that's like saying to insist that someone has to have God is heresy. Because it divides the body of Christ. To insist that you have to have Christ is heresy because it might divide the body of Christ. And that's the craziest thing in the world. And it just hit me that people don't understand what Christianity is really all about at all. And they view everything in terms of doctrines and creeds and theologies rather than in terms of power. I'm so glad tonight that I see the power of the name of Jesus Christ. That I have experienced the power of being immersed into the name of Jesus Christ. That it's not just a theology, that it's not just a philosophy, that it's not just a doctrine to me, but I have experienced the power of the name, the divine name of my God. I'm so glad that speaking in tongues isn't just a doctrine that might divide the body of Christ to me, uh, from me or whatever, but I'm so glad that I can experience Speaking in tongues as power. Not just a doctrine of do you or do you not speak in tongues. But tongues is the initial evidence of the most beautiful, wonderful experience of being overflowed with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. To as many as believe on Him, He gave power. Not doctrines and not creeds, but power to become the sons of God even to those who believe on His name. And Paul said, that which they call heresy is the manner in which I worship the God of my fathers. And we're just the happiest bunch of heretics. I really believe that maybe we need to have another elders meeting and reincorporate again under the name of Happy Heretics Incorporated. <laughs> Hallelujah! But everything I believe in is centered in Jesus Christ. Everything that I bring unto myself, that I embrace unto myself from this Bible, is because I'm centered in Jesus Christ and because He is giving me power to become a son of God. I don't view that. I don't view speaking in tongues as doctrines or creeds or, or whatever you want to call it. I don't view Jesus' name baptism as a doctrine or as a creed. I view it as power to become the sons of God. I've experienced something. Praise God. It's not a matter of, of coming and learning how everybody else claps, beats the ends of their arms together, you know, and, and, and doing that. And it's not a matter of coming and learning how everybody mouths the words to do this or that. And it's not a matter of, of form and ritual and putting on a facade to do something. It's a matter of power. Hallelujah. It's not a matter of theology. It's not a matter of denomination. It's not a matter of sex and, and this organization versus that organization and this creed versus that creed and this doctrine versus that doctrine. But it's a matter of power. It's a matter of experiencing power to become the sons of God. And it's not something vague. And it's not something ethereal. And it's not something out there that you can't put your finger on, but you say, well, I guess I got the power because I believe I got it. God made it tangible. God made it visceral. God made it immediate. God made it concrete. His love isn't some amorphous blob floating around out there somewhere that you can't touch, see, feel, taste, or know. 
but it has definition and shape. I'm glad it's a speaking in tongues experience. Power to become the sons of God. Praise God. So if you're here tonight and you're waiting for us to give you our creeds and our doctrines and, and give you a little deal called Articles of Faith, this is what you must do to be a part of this. You'll never find it because all we want you to receive is power. We want you to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that divides the body of Christ to insist that people must receive the Spirit of Christ. How could, how could receiving the Spirit of Christ divide the body of Christ? You're not even a part of the body of Christ unless you have the Spirit of Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful that God gave, it, gave us such a clear path that He didn't leave it vague and confusing, but He gave you a definite sign to let you know when you're receiving the most beautiful experience in the world. Praise God. And I don't believe that being baptized in the name of Christ is going to uh, insist on being baptized in the name of Christ is going to divide us or anybody else from the body of Christ. As a bride married to her husband, unless she takes his name upon her, it's a beautiful experience. It's what welds your identity together with Jesus' identity and makes you one with Him. Praise God. So we offer you an experience of power tonight. We offer you a speaking in tongues experience. We offer you an infilling of the Holy Spirit experience tonight. We don't offer you a creed. We don't offer you a doctrine. We don't offer you articles of faith. We offer you God. Power to become the sons of God. Now I don't know if there's anybody here that that applies to tonight, but I just felt like telling you how happy I am that I don't see those things as doctrines, but I, I see them as power. And it's an experience of being a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Tonight I'm especially glad to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Because it seems like I haven't been a part of the body of Christ for quite a while now. <laughs> Only airmail. Hallelujah. But it's great to be back home with everybody. The first uh, 3,200 miles of the trip we got an opportunity to witness all the way down there. But I want you to know that north country is barren. And we didn't find hardly anybody. So it's great to be back home. Hallelujah. This is the last frontier. I went out there in, in the, the Rocky Mountains. We didn't stop. We just kept driving all the way straight through. But we, well, we stopped at night, you know. But we didn't stop to do anything. We just drove, pulled into a motel, stayed the night, and kept driving until we could get on back home. But we drove through the Rockies. Drove up from Texas through the Rockies. And it is so incredibly beautiful. I want you to know I came upon some scenes and when I saw them, I started weeping and crying. I mean, it's just, you cannot believe the drama and the, just the magnitude and the sheer awesomeness of those 14,000 foot peaks rising up out of nowhere. And here we're driving along and then all of a sudden we come up over a hill and there's a huge valley, you know. And, and right down at the end of the valley is 14,000 foot peaks with, just covered with snow. We drove right up straight in through them on old roads that nobody was going on except us. And just snow everywhere in the, in the end of July. It was the most incredibly awesome and beautiful. And you could look out. It says, climb to the top of this peak and see Kansas. It was so incredible how far you could see. And there's not anything. You don't go from Cliffside Park to Berg, North Bergen, you know, to this, to that. I mean, there's miles. We went on one road and didn't see one single soul. Not one car. Nothing. Nothing. 
I mean, you just can't believe how incredible it is. Wild herds of horses just running around and just miles and miles and miles and miles. And we went up to, through the Rockies and through Colorado and Wyoming and uh, Yellowstone. And Yellowstone is a glorified version of Manhattan and Rush Hour. One million people a month. <laughs> really? <laughs> bumper to bumper traffic through the moose and the bears. and <laughs> It's just like, you know, going through the Bowery where they wash your windshield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of acres where there's nobody, you know, out but the roads, you know, are just crowded, bumper to bumper, all the way through, and it's beautiful. And uh, I, I, I got, we drove close to the area called Bridger Wilderness, and there's another area 900, almost a, a million acres of primitive land with one dirt road that goes into the middle of it, and that's it. A million acres. I mean, that's like the, the size of some of the states over here. Can you imagine that? Just primitive areas. And one state had a million acre plot of land, primitive area, and a, a 300 and something thousand acre, another plot of land, 300 and something thousand plus all kinds of national parks and state parks, plus just deserts going everywhere. And I told Regina, I said, can you imagine what it must have been like for people like Jim Bridger and Jedediah Smith? I'm sure all you folks have heard of those guys, huh? Listen, I grew up hearing about those guys. Those, those were mountain men that, that settled and explored the West. But when they came upon those scenes just on horseback, and there was not another human being around. And a lake, I mean, a lake just as blue, just as blue as it could be with huge mountain peaks rising up behind it. It was just, I'm telling you, it was just awesome. And I heard something that that, that was, it was things like that that kept those mountain men coming back and they called that the shining time because you'd get in the midst of all of that and there'd be such a feeling of glory and power and, and something so awesome and overwhelming overwhelming that it just it was the glory of God I know it was it was those mountains declaring the glory of God and I I thought boy isn't that isn't it something here I am bumper to bumper <laughs> going through an area that they went through you know when there wasn't another soul around for hundreds of miles and the feelings that they had I thought well there just there just isn't a frontier anymore and something and I thought well there's Alaska my wife is always telling me you've got to go to Alaska You've just got to see Alaska. Alaska is so beautiful. But it's really not the last frontier anymore either. It's, all, it's already been settled. There are no more frontiers. I had a friend that went to Australia because that was supposed to be the last frontier and it's already everything. You can't hardly go anyplace where there's not people that are already tuned in to their CB radios and their television sets. and Everything is completely settled. And then something just spoke to me and said there's one frontier left. And it's the frontier of the spirit world. And, and it's just like the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said that we are the mountain men of yesterday. We are the Lewises and the Clarks. We are the Jedediah Smiths and the Fremonts and the Zebulon Pikes and all of these others that struck out and, and, and explored new realms and new frontiers. Only this is the greatest frontier that has ever been. This is the frontier of the spirit world. And the Holy Ghost just impressed upon me that there are whole realms and whole dimensions that we haven't even begun. I mean, we just barely colonized Jamestown right now. Really? 
I mean, it's just, there's just whole realms. There's the Rocky Mountains yet. There's the crossing of the Mississippi and the Missouri and the settling of the Tennessee and all of those areas. There's the moving west and the moving north. And we haven't even begun. But it's going to happen within a very few short years. I told Regina, I said, can you imagine just a mere 200 years ago there was nobody out here and now freeways and bumper-to-bumper traffic and big cities coming up out of the middle of nowhere. And, and, and just look at what has happened in 200 years. And time has speeded up and things are going exponentially fast. And that's what's happening in the spirit world. God's just going to push us through to new frontiers so fast. We're going to be on top of the Rockies before long. We're going to dis- discover the Jackson Hole, Wyoming of the spirit world. And the Grand Tetons of the spirit world. And the Pikes Peaks of the spirit world. And the Northwest Passage of the spirit world. And the Santa Fe Trail of the spirit world. And we're going to set out on the Oregon Trail of the spirit world. That's the only frontier that's left. It's returning back to the beginning. East all the way to Jerusalem. And there's no limit on us. We have not scratched the surface, but there's no limit on us through prayer and fasting and seeking God in new heights and new realms in the Spirit. There is no limit placed upon us to where we can go in God. Now some are content. Some never leave the streets of Boston. Some never leave the the streets of Jamestown and Philadelphia, and they say, oh, those so dangerous and it's so wild out there. And there's so many that have lost their way out there. But there's others that say, I just believe we can find a, a, a Northwest Passage. I just believe we can find new things that have never been discovered before. I believe God's got a direction for us. I believe God's got a pattern for us. And there's something in all of us, I really believe that, that wants to strike out. I really believe that. But striking out anymore isn't a geographical thing. There's a mass flood of humanity moving to the, the, the desert places and the wilderness places of America. And it won't be too long before the rest of America is just like this area. Now that's the truth, folks. It won't be too long. And spirit-wise, it's already getting real close. And the frenetic pace and, and, and just a lot of the cities out there, it's the same thing. There's, there's nothing out there. Striking out isn't a geographical thing. If you're going to make it to anywhere, if you're going any place, it's a spiritual thing. And that's what God's calling us to do. But there's a whole realm all around us, a whole world that can open up to us. You're the only limitation. You're the only limitation. Well, just, just stay back there in, in the streets of Philadelphia and Jamestown and hold your fort as best you can and Wait until something better comes along or wait until you expire. But there's some, boy, that just are saying, man, i got to strike out. Well, strike out spiritually. Strike out for new horizons spiritually. Praise God. It's all that's left, I'm telling you. I really felt it in the Holy Ghost. That's the only spirit, that's the only frontier that's left is the spirit realm. We got so far on that trip and we felt the Holy Ghost reeling us back in. We were on our way back home anyway. We really started feeling it from the last chance we got to minister to someone. We started feeling the Holy Ghost reeling us right on back in. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I just felt something so strong. I started getting excited about it. I said, you know, it's kind of excited, exciting pulling in. 
said, as much as my flesh recoils against the East Coast, I don't know what I'm doing here. But boy, my spirit rejoices in it. It's great to be back home. And I feel the Holy Ghost opening new doors for us. I really do. I feel new horizons coming, coming upon the scene. Do you always want to be a frontiersman? <laughs> Hallelujah. Maybe I'm out of my element here. <laughs> That's the only reason I came here. I'll tell, I'll tell you the honest truth. That kind of excitement, that kind of feeling. All of that is closing down. All of that is going to be rolled up like a scroll. But boy, can we go places in the Spirit. Praise God. And I don't just mean speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. I mean all kinds of things are unfolding for us. We really are, brothers and sisters, the explorers and the frontiers and the pioneers. Hallelujah. Of this day and age. Aren't you glad that, that God waited for us to come on the scene? To, to open up the last frontier. The great frontier. I'll tell you what, it's, it's that shining time that will keep you coming back. Moving on the heights of new revelations. New realms of the Spirit. Seeing new vistas. Climbing new mountains. And then feeling that, that something. That shining time. I'd like to share something with you tonight. I'd like to read to you from the 52nd and 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. Thank you, Jesus. It's sure great to be home. Everybody sends their regards and their love up, up here to Paramus where everybody talks funny. You need to keep praying for uh, the folks down in Atlanta and the folks in Austin. They're all in tremendous time of transition. And a lot of other folks are too. We need to hold, uphold our brothers and sisters that the Lord has laid on our hearts. We need to uphold them in prayer. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, <clears throat> and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter. 
and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living? For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned to be with wicked men, yet with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Now the thing that's been getting me about this, this Scripture that I've been thinking about about this Scripture is that Jesus laid Himself open. I was talking to Brother Joel earlier this afternoon. I was talking to Regina sometime last week or earlier this week. That Jesus stayed open all the way through everything. And that is one of the many secrets, I believe, of succeeding as a Christian. Is our ability to stay open and therefore vulnerable through every single kind of circumstance, every single kind of situation. It means that we're going to face sometimes situations and circumstances that are very hard on us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise, but that through all of those situations, through every one of those situations, if we stay open, if we stay vulnerable, we'll make it all the way through to the place that Jesus made it to. And it means that sometimes these situations have the capacity to embitter you, to make you cynical, to turn you inward upon yourself and you're going to face situations like that in life you're going to face situations like that in your Christian walk but your ability to make it all the way through is directly proportionate to your ability to stay open and vulnerable now that's what makes us as a body and as a community so important because in the world we're going to be hated. We're going to be persecuted. Everyone who lives godly shall be persecuted. In the world, we're going to be rejected. In the world, we're going to be betrayed. Or if you haven't been, if you're living in the world and that's your place of residence and your abode and your home and your dwelling and your future and your purpose and your direction in life, you're going to discover that you're going to be betrayed. Over and over and over and over again. Brother Joel told me that he could never find anybody that he could trust 100%. He found people he could trust 99.9%. But he said he never found people he could trust 100%.
until he came to the church. Unless we have that kind of covenant relationship, that kind of community, where we can trust each other 100%, there's no way we can stay open and vulnerable because we have no place to turn to. We have no shelter. We have no refuge. Now what is the church? The church is the body of Jesus Christ. And that is the only reason. Brothers and sisters, you and I are not very trustworthy in ourselves. And we might have been looking to be and looking for trust. But we in ourselves are not very trustworthy. But this scripture, passage of scripture that I read tonight describes someone who has proved himself trustworthy. Who was faithful even unto death. The death of the cross. He stayed open. He stayed pure. He stayed innocent. He stayed trustworthy. He stayed vulnerable even unto death. And you know what that means? That means He loved even unto death. Because if you don't stay vulnerable, you're not loving. Because you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to defend yourself. You close yourself off. But Christian freedom comes in being vulnerable. As a lamb led to the slaughter. Hallelujah. As a sheep that is silent before its shears. Open, vulnerable. Never tried to defend himself. Never tried to protect himself. He trusted in something or someone completely, didn't he? We've got to have that. We've got to have that in the body of Christ. I told Brother Joel, it's not a very good story, <clears throat> but I told him about how when I was out in the world, I really was trying to find that type of friendship. And I remember one time, I went out into the desert just outside of El Paso, Texas. I've been lost out there so many times. I ended up on a missile range one time. Didn't know where I was. I thought I'd come upon a highway. Drove down in Arroyo. And we were running out of gas. In a four-wheel drive vehicle. And I said, there's a highway just on the other side of that fence. And just as, just as I said that, a big plane came. And landed right on that highway. I thought, where in the world am I? And I turned back around and drove and we opened gates and went this way and that. And I, I saw a bunch of buildings or something over in, in the distance. I said, civilization, boy, and we headed off toward it. And these guys in jeeps and everything came out and surrounded us <laughs> with guns and said, you're on a United States missile range. <laughs> but uh, we were out in that desert one time. And uh, this is before I came to the Lord. We had been driving this vehicle through the desert and and then, you know how, how uh, people who are like that get to being a little too crazy sometimes and just go over the edge and then get to talking serious. Well, that's what happened to us. And we started talking about how important it was to trust people. And uh, we were just kids, teenagers. And uh, I said something to the effect that unless you trusted someone with your life, you didn't really trust him. And everything got kind of heavy. And I picked up one of the, the empty beer cans and I walked about 
30 or 40 feet away and I put it on my head. I said, I trust you guys with my life. I said, pick up that rifle and shoot this beer can off my head. And they picked up the rifle. And I looked down the barrel of that rifle some 40 feet away, I don't know how far. And they were all standing there and everything got real heavy, boy. And they said, we can't do this, man. I said, we can do this. I said, we're, we're going to trust each other even unto death. I said, aim that rifle and shoot this can off my head. And so they stood there and pointed that rifle straight at me. It looked like it was right at my head. Well, it's only about, you know, three inches from my head. And I said, go ahead, shoot. I said, I trust you with my life. And uh, all of a sudden I heard a wham! And the can flew off my head. I don't know if it's because I jumped. I said, you did it? I said, you did it. I said, I trusted you with my life. And you didn't betray my trust. I said, you did it. I knew you could do it. And a couple of days later, my cousin Bill said, he was almost crying. And he said, listen, man. He said, I got a confession to make. We raised that rifle up just as we shot. And he said, but it doesn't matter, man. He said, you trusted us with your life. And it did something. And my relationship with my cousin, I mean, I don't recommend anybody ever doing this. It was stupid, crazy, insane. But we all felt a need to find someone we could trust. We all felt a need to, to come together in a special kind of way. It's what we talked about, I think, before we left, about blood covenant. But all of us have partaken. That's what it means when you're immersed in His name and have taken His blood upon you and are filled with His Spirit. It means you have partaken of His covenant unto death, His blood covenant. And we've done something with each other. We have become blood brothers in Jesus. And we can't ever, 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 ever betray that trust. We're all we've got in the world, brothers and sisters. There's nobody else that we can even hope to trust like that. And even if we do betray it. And I've had people that gave birth to me in the Lord that betrayed that covenant trust. But I'm not going to betray it with them. I'm going to be here when they get out of prison or when they end up here or there or whatever. If they ever decide to come back, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be faithful if it kills me. I want people to be able to trust me. I want to be able to do like Jesus and put my life in their hands and to stay vulnerable even unto death. And there's other people who want the same thing. I want to be able, even if you were, are going to betray me, if you're going to be like Judas was to Jesus, I want to be able to go as a lamb to the slaughter. Over and over again, until I can say with Paul, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I've stayed like a lamb. I've stayed open. 
I've stayed vulnerable. I've been exposed to truth because I trusted. And my God will justify me. Not by anything I've done, but simply because I believe in love. I believe in His love. I believe in Him. I trust in Him. That's the only thing that makes this mean otherwise. It's not only just another club or another clique, but it's on dangerous ground because it means we've betrayed something sacred. I'm putting a can on my head. So pull back the hammer. But I beg you, don't betray our trust. Don't betray each other's trust. Stay open. Stay vulnerable. Even if we do, even if someone does, stay open, stay vulnerable. Don't get bitter. Don't get cynical. Don't start doubting. Don't betray the covenant that you've been made partakers of. And we shall see the travail of our souls and be satisfied. Isn't it wonderful we've got people like that? Isn't it wonderful we've got a God that went all the way to the end completely open, completely vulnerable, completely faithful, even unto death. And we're going to die a little deaths before we ever die the big one. Little things in our relationships. But are we going to stay trusting? Are we going to stay vulnerable? I'm so glad I got you. I want you to know you've got me too. I want you to be able to trust me. There's no other reason I'm here. I'd go back where I came from if it weren't for you. But you're my family. You're my brothers and my sisters, my mothers and my fathers. You're all I got in this world besides the Spirit. And you're the Spirit made flesh. You're the body of Christ. You make it real and tangible. I just feel like just put my arms around everybody. If they were big enough. Just telling you how much I love you. We got a lot of miles to go. Beautiful, adventuresome, exciting miles to go. Before it's all over. And we're going to see things. You're going to see things that you wouldn't believe. You're going to feel things that you would have never thought it possible to feel. You're going to experience depths and heights of emotions. Just incredible things that you've never even imagined before. But the most important thing is the love that works through our trust. Our uncompromising, unmovable trust and faithfulness to one another. Blood brothers. The new covenant in His blood. Now I want you to be able to trust me. I want you to feel secure in the love of Jesus that expresses itself through me. In the world, it's get ahead of the Joneses. It's dog eat dog. It's equalism. Whatever they've got, I've got to have. But we're not like that. 
Hallelujah. We're not selfish. Praise God. We're not moving ahead in that sense of one another. We're walking together and submitted to one another. I asked several elders to pray for. I even went on this trip. And there was some that I asked specifically to pray for. Tell me how they felt. I asked them all the time. I wouldn't leave until I felt like it was alright with them. I asked them to pray before I bought my car. How do you feel about me buying my car? How do you feel about me doing this? How do you feel about me doing that? You feel it's alright in the Holy Ghost? We're not independent. We're submitted to one another. We're in covenant relationship. Trusting one another. And I love you. I'm so glad to be home. Look at sweet old Tony. I mean, how could someone stay away from that? Thank you, Jesus. And all these. Oh, it's just so neat. Boy, it's so neat. Boy, when I walked in that prayer room tonight, I felt so much love for you folks. I appreciate you so much. I know that there's many of you here. I could point to some of you. I could trust you in my life. I know you'd never betray me. And you can point to others here the same way. And there's some of you here that don't know what real Christianity is all about because you've never seen any of it. But we want you to feel that way about us. And we want you to experience the love of God and the community of His people. We want you to experience His faithfulness. And we want you to be able to come to the place where you don't grudgingly say, well, but where you desperately long to give everything to Jesus Christ. As some of you are new, even some of you new ones here haven't gotten to that place. But you set out on the frontiers that God's calling you to. Not geographical frontiers, but spiritual frontiers. And pretty soon you're going to be experiencing love like that. And you're going to know what makes it tick. And what holds it all together. So get your gear ready and let's go. Shining times just over the next hilltop. Boy, isn't it great to be a Christian? Believe He sees us through everything. Thank you so much, Jesus. I've heard the Holy Ghost say the Rockies are not out of our reach. The Rockies in the Spirit. Not the geographical ones. Hallelujah. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and they'll know we are Christians by our love.
and they'll know.